Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. It's lovely to see nearly full house again. I'd be very fortunate to have had all four of these sessions. I must say, I didn't expect. I thought we'd be closed down. So uh, I'm very delighted that we've been able to have these sessions. And I, I won't say I hope, I know that you're going to love at least some of the music uh, today. Um, today is the feast of Santa Lucia, St. Lucy. I have a Lucy, and when she was about oh, six or seven, she had the crown of candles. Have you, in Scandinavia especially, they, they celebrate with the most charming um, ceremony of uh, a child with a crown of candles. So it's an important, I'm sorry, I, I should have got some St. Lucy music. I used to find and be delighted when I did Gloria and I found music associated with um, Saints Day. It was very easy to do it for Christmas and for Easter. But when I found music associated with uh, various saints, I was delighted anyway. So that's the, um, the message of today. We had... Uh, St. Cecilia earlier on in the session. Um, I still have a, a, a liking uh, for saints' days and celebrations of one sort or another during the year. So what are we going to start with? Well, as Christmas is getting closer, we have um, more music, uh, particularly associated with Christmas this morning. And we start with chant, as we usually do. This is Puanatus es nobis. Uh, today, uh, a boy is born for us. And um, Paul Hillier is conducting here his uh, Danish choir. As you know, uh, Paul is, looks after the chamber choir Ireland, and we're very lucky to have had him for the last, uh, well, I'd say it might be 10 years now since... Uh, since he arrived. He overlapped with Lucy. Uh, Lucy Singh used to sing with the choir and they overlapped for one concert and then she retired to do other things. But Paul has been with us and he pops over from Copenhagen where he lives and he has um, a Danish choir. And he also, of course, was in America for a long time and has an American choir as well. So this is plain chant. Um, uh, which could not be more Christmassy. Oh, 
that's removed any stresses that were knocking around when you came in. Um, I always feel that there is absolutely nothing like a bit of chant to uh, calm one down. So, and that, of course, was his American uh, choir, the Theatre of Voices. The girls didn't get much of a look in on that track. Um, and that's Paul, though he's, he's certainly, it's great that we've had him looking after our only professional choir for some time. So, uh, as you know, I love finding, if you like, I won't say second rate, certainly not second rate or secondary, but less well-known composers. And we have had... Uh, Talis and Bird, because, you know, they are the greatest English composers in my mind. Um, uh, but we haven't had any John Shepherd, And um, I think that John Shepherd, who was around about the same time as Bird, um, he worked in Magdalen College in Oxford when it was called Cardinals College because it was founded by Cardinal Wolsey so it was called, Christchurch was called uh, Cardinals College uh, at that time in the early 16th century. And John Shepherd, I think, is as great a composer as Bird and Tallis. And this is a setting of verbum caro factum est et habitavit in nobis. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And again, you couldn't get a more Christmas text than that from um, John's Gospel. So this is verbum caro, and it's stile antico, his singing, one of my absolute favorite um, current London-based groups. I think they are up there again with the Talis Scholars and the 16 and the other more famous uh, choirs. This is a wonderful choir. Interesting thing about them is that they don't have a leader. They don't have a conductor. So they just keep an eye on each other. And I've heard them, I think in Dardalk I heard them, and a uh, wonderful group. Um, and this is from an album called Puanatus Est. So, Verbum Caro.
wonderful final chord that is. Uh, we played some John Taverner last week. Um, so there are two names if you feel so inclined to go back and listen to this music from uh, England's golden age, the 16th century. Um, yes, of course, Bird and Tallis, but John Taverner and John Shepherd, two marvelous composers. And rather similar to Taverner, and I mentioned this last week, how he seems to ask his sopranos to go really very high, and how beautifully crystal clear Stile Antico's sopranos are. No wobble there, you know, absolutely clear and beautiful. Um, uh, very, very lovely music. John Shepherd. Um, I've spoken to you of some of my favorite places in the world, especially at the back of King's College, Cambridge, and maybe I mentioned North Connemara too, but also Venice. Venice is really such an astounding place. I'm sure many of you have been. Uh, it just does take one's breath away. Beauty at every turn. Uh, as long as you don't go during the summer months when you know, there's single file pedestrians and eight million tourists. But uh, if you go, we used to go in February, and that was a marvelous, you know, the low light on the buildings. And St. Mark's in Venice, well, of course, that's the center, the most uh, 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 famous of all the places to go. And it is very lovely, but again, go early in the morning or uh, late at night, go when it's working, as uh, my son used to put it, you know, when there's a service there, if you go as a tourist, they tend to rush you through very quickly and you don't really get a chance uh, to see the astonishing ceiling and floor. Those are the, the two areas which I think are most magnificent in St. Mark's. Now, sadly, you're unlikely to hear music of the very highest standard if you go to a mass there. Really, the quality of Italian church music um, of this century and maybe the last century is, to my mind, nothing like it was in the 16th and 17th century. And Giovanni Gabrielli was one of the first Italian-born um, heads of music in St. Mark's before Gabrielli intended to be um, Netherlands composers like Willard. Uh, and they were very fine, and it was they who first used the space that, you know, you could almost say they invented stereophonic sounds because they would place a choir there, and they would place a choir there, and the choirs would not just be voices, they would be instruments as well. So you really did have this sense of space, which is, is marvelous and very much a part of Gabrielli's music. Uh, and Monteverdi's, of course, afterwards, in the, in the um, uh, few years afterwards. So this is Quem Vidistis Pastores. And if you had a calm and delightful Christmas music in Shepherd, this is more urgent. What did you see, Shepherds? Um, and it has instruments and voices, solo voices, uh, beautiful choral sounds, 
you know, the gamut of wonderful early um, Italian uh, musical expression. So Giovanni Gabrielli, Quenvidistis Pastores, what did you see, shepherds?
wonderful hallelujah. Uh, just thought of myself in St. Mark's with that music uh, and realized that although I say you won't hear it liturgically anymore, um, there are concerts in St. Mark's and if you should uh, go to Venice, uh, that's one thing you should look out for to see what concerts there are. One reason uh, is that any visiting choir or orchestra uh, wants to have the experience of playing music in uh, St. Mark's and at a cost. They could do so. So I've been a couple of times where there have been very good concerts just before um, a, a, a Vespers or uh, a Mass. The other thing um, is uh, to look down on St. Mark's from the tower and that's a wonderful thing to do. You can go up to the top of the tower. Don't get caught on the hour. Otherwise, you'd be deafened by the bells. The other thing is, if you just go across the lagoon, uh, there's another tower there, which I think is just as wonderful. You can see, we saw snow on the Dolomites from there the last time we were there. Uh, just just across, and of course you look back on St. Mark's and that's wonderful too. So I was talking to somebody about you know, traveling, a Marriott was about traveling by air. Uh, I had a discussion, you know, where would I like to go once we decide we'd go into an airplane again? And of course Venice came into my mind. I think we've been there about 10 times in the last 20 years, but not for five years or so, I'd like to go once more, I think. Now, uh, to Bach, um, this is from the Christmas Oratorio. And it's interesting, I mean, the Christmas Oratorio is actually just six cantatas. And it's cantatas setting texts based on the Christmas story. Um, and it appears that uh, not only did Bach perform these separately on the appropriate day of Christmas in the various churches in Leipzig, but um, he also uh, performed them together as one. So um, it was Bach who thought of it as uh, a single unit, which surprised me when I heard it. Um, this is the opening chorus, Jauchset, um, Triumph, Rejoice, Rise, um, and it's Bach at his most joyous. It's interesting listening to uh, Gabrielli after the shepherd, how Gabrielli, you realize how you're not surprised that Italy was the uh, birthplace of opera. There is a, quite a dramatic sense to that music, especially that fantastic final, uh, Alleluia. And of course, in Bach too, although there were no opera houses in Leipzig, how the history of music might have changed had there been opera houses in Leipzig. Mind you, Bach's uh, cantatas are full of dramatic expressions. And this is just simply Bach at his most joyous. Um, and it's quite likely that in, in spite of the fact that he 
faced death throughout his life, um, we have to remember that such a, 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 can't remember, was it six of his 20 children um, grew to adulthood? You know, I mean, it, it was, um, his parents died when he was 10. So, you know, death was absolutely a constant uh, sense throughout his life. And yet he could write the most joyous music. Another interesting thing about um, this DVD, and that is you can see the original instruments. Now, it's the woodwinds that are so obviously different from the uh, concert instruments of today. I mean, the flutes, for instance, are wooden. Um, and indeed, they sound rather more like recorders than the uh, uh, um, concert flutes of today, uh, Jimmy Galway's flute, the gold flutes, the silver flutes, a very different sound. Um, and of course, a lot of cross-fingering, you know, very few keys, same with the oboes. Um, and the strings too, those of you who um, know about playing uh, violins um, today will see that the string players play in a slightly different way. The, the, the strings would be catgut, um, and the shape of the bows are different. So it's interesting in this particular DVD to have a look at, at the differences between uh, this period instrument uh, group and what you would see if you went down on a Friday night um, to the concert hall. So here we are, and it's a boys' voices. The boys are wonderful in this, um, and boys and young men, and it's the opening chorus of Bach's Christmas Oratorio.
Isn't that absolutely wonderful? I felt there that that was the first time I'd ever heard that music. Um, and that's another, I think I mentioned uh, last week that that's my definition of a classic, that you can listen to the music and always hear something new. Well, I felt the same there. That was as though I just, this was um, as exciting an experience as the first time I'd ever heard it. Um, stunningly wonderful music and fascinating to watch. I think it was a good DVD to choose because, you know, you saw a lot of these uh, uh, early instruments. Uh, trumpets, no valves. Everything done through the mouth. Uh, astonishing skills required. I do remember the early days of the early music revival where sometimes it really wasn't very pleasant to listen to the music because it was so difficult to play. The players didn't have the skills in the early days um, you did to play the music perfectly, but my goodness, they did there. I was very elated by that. I do hope you were as well. Now, um, yes, the no, no valves on the, on the brass instruments, and the brass that we heard in the piece before, the Gabrielli, they were cornets and sackbuts, and I, I spoke to you about uh, these splendidly named uh, instruments. I uh, love the whole idea of a sackbut, you know, uh, an early trombone. And, um, of course, they didn't have valves either. So valves is a relatively uh, modern uh, invention to help the brass players. Um, now we go uh, leap forward a few more centuries to Francis Poulenc. I'm a huge fan of Poulenc's music. Um, there are some composers where you just hear a bar or two and you say, ah, exactly who that is. And I feel this about Perlenk. He has a, a sort of bittersweet feeling. Um, I really love his music. And he wrote quite a lot of sacred music. He wrote some wonderful instrumental works, organ concerto, piano concerto. Um, and these little motets, four for Easter, four for Christmas, and a number of other motets as well. And to play all four, I think they again seem to go very well together. And the texts, um, it includes O Magnum Mysterium. And I don't know whether you picked this up, but in the Gabrielli, towards the end of the Gabrielli, there was this marvelous text, which is my favorite Christmas text. O Magnum Mysterium, well, what a great mystery it is that animals witnessed the birth of Christ. Um, I'm always very touched by that, and many, many composers also uh, set it to music. And uh, so here are four uh, Christmas uh, motets by uh, Francis Poulenc.
1952, he composed those. Aren't they lovely? Um, I mean, it may be because I know them so well and have sung them a lot, and uh, I just wish he'd, he'd compose uh, a few more. They're absolutely charming, very obviously contemporary, and yet, you know, not in your face. Uh, some marvelous chords, some really weirdo chords, you know, if they were taken out of contact, you think, well, uh, but just right. Um, Poulenc, great, uh, a very great composer. I think I could uh, add that to Britain's ceremony of carols um, as my two favorite 20th century uh, Christmas compositions. Now, uh, where do we go from here? I've forgotten. I think we actually acknowledge the Christmas carol. Yes, we do. In Dulce Jubilo, well, there's a very famous um, setting of these um, medieval words by a man called Pearsall, but I wonder if you know Bach's um, harmonization. It's very, very beautiful. I have a memory of arriving uh, in a choir rehearsal and um, being told that the altos hadn't turned up and would I mind sing, singing alto in this um, setting? This was in a, a church in Lagos in Nigeria, the weirdest circumstances. Anyway, I have many happy memories of this. And then the Coventry Carol um, from the Coventry mystery play, again, um, a very charming um, uh, carol from the 16th century. And then Gaudete, which is a very jolly um, uh, rejoice, rejoice. This is an arrangement by Brian Kay, um, who was the King Singer's first bass. Uh, he's now a broadcaster and writer on music. Uh, it's originally from 1582 um, selection of Swedish and Finnish Christmas music. Uh, and the group is the Jesualdo Six. They got together from Trinity College in Cambridge to sing some Jesualdo and decided to continue their career in in music, they've made some absolutely wonderful um, uh, recordings. So here's a selection of three of my favorite early Christmas carols. <laughs>
Splendid. Um, I was just reminded that that story of me being asked to sing uh, alto. I'm glad I wasn't asked to sing soprano. <laughs> but one of those guys can do it and, and can do it in such a way that you completely relax. So there was a time when I used to be a little bit on edge when I even heard a countertenor. Uh, but now... Adult males seem to be able to sing as high as, as you ask them. So three really lovely, beautiful... Gosh, I've played you some lovely choral singing today, haven't I? They are wonderful. Jesuado uh, six. Uh, and if those are three of my favourites, here are two of my wife's favourites. She said, I will not forgive you if you do not play Jesus Christ the Apple Tree. Uh, which is such a lovely carol. Uh, but first, in the bleak midwinter, um, chosen as the most, uh, the most favorite Christmas carol in some poll they did in, um, in, on the BBC uh, some time ago. There's a lovely setting by Gustav Holst, but the one that's probably even more favorite, uh, famous than that is by one Harold Dark from uh, 1911. Uh, he was, uh, he took over in King's College Chapel uh, from the organist Boris Ord when uh, Ord was called up for military service during the war. And Harold Dark, who um, I think I read that he had uh, performed. 1,833 organ recitals in London during the war. Must have um, uh, been <laughs> pretty fantastic to uh, offer that. Uh, he was most famous an organist, uh, but he took over in Kings uh, from Boris Ord. So this is In the Bleak Midwinter. Uh, 
and then Jesus Christ, the apple tree, and the um, composer here was Elizabeth Poston. Um, she was uh, well known in helping to set up uh, the third program in the BBC when that started. But the most fascinating uh, story about her life was that she was a broadcaster, and during the war, she was a secret agent, and she used to send coded messages to the Allied forces in Europe through her music. Amazing story that I read. Anyway, Elizabeth Poston, Jesus Christ, the apple tree, um, very, very charming, and we'll end our uh, four weeks music with this lovely carol. Oh, 
I hope you agree that that was a really very, very beautiful carol. It's such a fine line, isn't it, between beauty and sentimentality. I think both those last two carols just did it so well. These are just bordering, perhaps, on, you know, the cynics might say, but I think they're extremely beautiful. They've given me the greatest joy over the years. And, of course, I should have said that the text of In the Bleak Midwinter was by Christina Rossetti. Um, and um, so I'm very happy to be able to share those two very lovely carols. Um, so we have Wild Shepherds Watched um, shouting at us over the supermarket, uh, but there are carols and carols out there. Um, I thank you so much for your attention. It's been my great pleasure. Wonderful to see more than one or two people at a time, isn't it? Uh, and it's been my great pleasure, as it always is. I want to thank uh, it's Cormac today and also Whip for these marvellous um, visuals, which uh, I think has added hugely to my pleasure, and I'm sure to yours. And thank you, Marianne. Thank you all, and I wish you a very happy Christmas. And I hope that at some stage we may meet again here. Thank you.